Hey Migrants with Migraines, welcome back. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about intersectionality with identity issues, first American-born generational issues, and also a little bit about first-born struggles. I have with me Diana and Alberto, which you should all be familiar with, and also we have a very special guest who will introduce herself. Um, I am a second year law school student uh, studying at Rutgers Camden. So Leila, um, this question kind of really deals with you. Um, I'd like to know um, how to deal with culture clash um, and facing like identity crisis, especially. Well, I would like to give some, um, some like background information of where I come from before I start answering. So I'm originally from Iraq. I was born in Iraq when I was four. We left Iraq, we went to United Arab Emirates, lived there for seven years, and then my family and I immigrated to Canada. And I recently came to America because I'm completing my legal studies here. Culture clash, um, something that I'm completely familiar with. Um, I remember uh, experiencing a lot of culture shock when I first came, when, when I was first like in Canada for the first couple of years, um, a lot of things that, for example, were considered taboo in, in Middle Eastern countries where it was not really considered taboo in um, westernized countries like Canada. And I know America is the same, but this is where I mainly experienced my culture shock. And so it didn't really take me that long to uh, realize that the way that I was raised with the cultures and the traditions and the style of how I was raised uh, did not really match how everyone else was raised around me. Um, the simplest example I can give is like, I know in Middle Eastern cultures, parents they frown upon the idea of, for example, going on uh, school trips that are overnight. So when I was in eighth grade and I had the opportunity to do that, my mom didn't let me because she was uh, worried for me. Um, that, that like when I hit high school, we would um, see a lot of girls uh, talk about very private matters that not even my parents would talk about in front of us, which is like things about like sex and stuff like that. And to me, that was just so weird. It didn't make sense. So it didn't really take me that long to figure out okay, oh, so I am raised differently, my culture is different, and they don't understand that, and I don't understand theirs. I definitely went through the time where I faced an identity crisis, where it was like I wanted to fit in with the people around me, but I couldn't because I was going to be like one person at home and another person at school, and I just didn't really like that especially for teens it's really really hard because it's the time where they want to feel they want to feel like they can fit in they want to feel like they're accepted by everyone around them in my case i didn't really experience that i instead i actually experienced a lot of bullying because of that kind of identity shift as i got older i understood that there was really nothing wrong with um where i come from and um when I made 
like more friends as I got older. Um, and they got really interested and I started building friendships from there and I never really denied ever since then, never really denied where I'm from. And I think one way that teens should learn how to deal with this is for their parents to teach them that they should not uh, kind of conform to the normal, but be proud of where they're from. Um, my parents didn't really teach me that because it, they didn't understand the idea of culture clash or culture shock. They just expected me to be like how I was, right? Or not go through those things. Uh, so I think kind of bringing it to your children's attention, especially like at a young age where they understand, yes, this is how people are in this culture, but that doesn't mean you can neglect where you're from. Yeah, I could definitely um, understand when you when it comes to having some kind of identity crisis, especially in your teens, like you said, um, you really just want to feel accepted and wanted and fit in with any really group that would accept you, but especially by like your own people. Yeah, I think it's really, really interesting because generally immigrant adults, they form their ethnic identity back in their home country. And like in their adolescence where people act and look like them, right? But for really first generation um, immigrants born here and they're exposed to that different culture, like when they're exposed to the American school system, they're exposed to American culture. And then when they come back at home, they're like, okay, how am I supposed to like act? How, how am I supposed to behave to specific standards? But I think to deal with this, identity crisis it's important to personally in my experience I didn't overthink it as much and I, I mean that's actually a complete lie at first I did completely overthink it and I was stressed and I just didn't know how to deal with um, forming a solid identity but I learned how to not overthink it and to realize that we're living in America it's a melting pot of many cultures right there isn't an, an specific American culture. American culture is a mixture of so many different and diverse cultures. So I just had to realize that I'm going to form my own identity and my own culture will be a mixture of a different and a variety of cultures taken from um, my home and um, my American environment when I'm outside exposed to the world. No, that's very true. I really like how you said, um, like, for example, the generation of our parents who um, did grow up in their home countries, um, they weren't really exposed to this kind of um, culture shock that um, some people when they do move here as like children, for example, with you, Leila, um, that they get to experience or experiencing those different sides. Um, it's just very different. Um, and it kind of does bring us on our question where we can ask, um, how can we help teens realize that being from different cultures is a strength and it could be used to their advantage? Honestly, I think one thing is teaching them the language. And that's something that they might take a while to, to, to realize. But um, once they do get older and they start, you know, working and things like that, they will realize how much of it of an advantage advantage it is to be bilingual for example and how so many people 
would wish to to learn another language, but their parents never really taught them or never really, you know, enrolled them in a specific in a foreign language speaking school. Um, that's something I can I can speak about because like when I first came to Canada, we would speak English most of the time. And so there was a period where I completely just did did not care about speaking Arabic anymore. I just spoke so much English that my mom one day she just said, I'm so worried for my kids. I don't want them to forget their Arabic. She enrolled us in um, an Arabic school for the week. And at first I completely hated it. But as I got older, I realized how how important it is for me not to forget my language for several reasons. It's a strength because it it really helps me in like job applications being bilingual, that's a skill. Another thing is learning the language really kept me in tune with my culture or, you know, keeping my language kept me in tune with my culture more and more. It, It was like the one thing that I could not deviate from because I knew it so well. Um, and as like as I got older and like got into my early 20s and things like that, I started realizing how much of a strength it is to be part of a different culture because I'm not one thing. I am, yes, I am Canadian and I'm proud to be Canadian, but I'm also I also come from this uh, Middle Eastern background that has so much more to offer that's different than being Canadian. And I know that so many people around me would would tell me how cool that is, especially those people who were not from the Middle East, those people who were from the Middle East, but have become so in tune with the Canadian culture. They always tell me, I wish I could speak Arabic or I wish I learned the Arabic or my parents pushed me to learn Arabic. They would always tell me like, Uh, how they wish their parents would do more of the cultural stuff that I grew up doing even in Canada. And I think that's another thing, like uh, in order for a child to learn or or to, to understand that being from a different culture is a strength. I think one thing that parents can do is literally, um, you know, um, practice the the culture um, at home normally. And that doesn't that doesn't mean like don't practice Canadian culture. No, but find a nice way to mix the two. No, I could definitely relate to that. I think as teens and even younger, we take for granted um, knowing these two cultures and knowing these two different languages. Um, and as you become an adult, oh my God, you really um, appreciate being bilingual because honestly, like. One of the biggest benefits is you get paid more. Jobs will pay you more for knowing another language because it's not, um, not everybody has another language that they know, but I think that's really awesome. Being a teenager is difficult. You know, we've all gone through it, so we can definitely attest to that. But teenagers all go through their own process of finding themselves and being multicultural um, only complicates that further. It's a great benefit, even though it doesn't feel like that most of the time. For example, like I was born in America, but I always felt like I belonged in El Salvador, which is where my family is from. Uh, I've always struggled with that my entire life because, you know, coming home, I 
spoke Spanish only and I would talk to my family and it was just it made me feel like I grew up in El Salvador especially because my entirely entire family is from over there but I would go to school and talk to my friends in English and have teachers who spoke to me in Spanish and English and whatever but it always felt like I was from there and never here you know it's it's taken me a really long time to kind of distinguish that like okay it's a weird middle place that I'm in like even though I'm Salvadorian I'm still a U.S. citizen and I have a lot of opportunities like school and internships and scholarships that of course like undocumented folks and like DACA recipients TPS recipients can get to but not as much as like U.S. born citizens. Yeah so I think something that's really important to recognize is that we had different perspectives Right? When we're exposed to different cultures, we tend to compare and see what's similar and see what's different and see what works for other people and doesn't work for us or what we have in common. Right? So I think if we're exposed to the good of the other culture, then we can apply that to our, ourselves and really build this identity. Right? So this is why people who travel the world right, and, and that are exposed to so many cultures, you can tell they're wise and, and they have a solid built identity because they're taking all of these things from different cultures and really blending it into a unique um, identity. So um, we both already um, kind of talked about this sense of belonging um, to multiple countries and places and cultures. Um, so, and we definitely talked about um, how we felt um, from our teen years and stuff like that. So I guess what I want to ask is for you guys, how has your sense of belonging shifted from your teen years into your um, adolescent years and adult life? At first, I really felt like I belonged as an Arab, right? I grew up speaking, writing in Arabic, um, reading a bit, and I felt Arab, but as throughout the years and as my academic career has gotten more rigorous, I was forced to embrace American culture and literature and um, speak more English. And that really brought my Arabic to a halt. And I've kind of struggled to continually build that sense of belonging in the Arab culture, right? So now I would classify myself as Arab American, where back when I was a child, I would just say I'm Arabic, right? Because I, that's all I knew, right? But now um, when I'm exposed to so much of American culture, I'm Arab American. It's it's really interesting that you uh, mentioned how you identified yourself as being like um, Arabic American or just Arabic or just American. Um, it's interesting because we think we see race and, um, you know, I've, I've gone through th these anthropology classes, sociology classes, and you kind of learned there that um, it's really a social construct. So like, say you were going to um, the country where your family's originally from, you are identified as American, but coming here to America, you're identified as um, Arabic American. So these things are very, um, they do change even if like, it's just interesting that the way they change and it does kind of mess with um, your identity and your sense of belonging because I know Diana mentioned this as well, like 
you can either say that you're neither from here nor there, you're from both. So it does get confusing. And even for, um, you know, being a teenager in itself and growing up and becoming an adult, that in itself is just a confusing time. So to have these different ethnic identities and stuff like that, I just really think makes it that much more harder. Um, so I can imagine like other people that have multiple ethnic backgrounds. You know, I went through my own like variation of assimilation. Uh, it was very different because I not only felt like I was born in America, claro. Um, and I'm like, my family's from El Salvador, but I grew up in a community that's like 99% Latino. So I kind of had to go through my own sense of like, damn, what does being an American mean to me? Because to me, being an American was just someone who was born here. It never like crossed my mind. I had never seen anyone who was like really American. And to me, that means white. Like I didn't meet someone who was like Caucasian American, American born, their whole family is from America. Only knowing of like different Latino cultures and on top of being Salvadorian myself, like I didn't know anyone else who was Salvadorian. So it was just like me and my family, maybe like two or three people from middle school, high school. I didn't really know anyone else who was from my country. It was always like, you know, the majority were Mexican Americans or Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, lo que sea, everything except my own country. So having to go through like, yeah, I know I'm Latina, I know I'm Salvadorian, but like, I don't really know what being that means because I've never had a representation of that, especially not in New Jersey. Cause like a lot of the people who are Salvadorian are like in California or DC or like I say, it was just really different for me to grow up and not have like anyone who was like me because even though I would see other people who looked like me, they were never, like familiar to me because they weren't from the same country or they didn't speak the same language. And it was just like a really weird, like, damn, so who the fuck am I? That That is such an, um, like a different experience, I guess you could say, because even for myself, like I, I'm, I grew up in a town that's very, either you're white or you're Mexican and that's pretty much all you can find. And I look white. So even for myself, that was very confusing. But I was able to relate to like to the other Mexican kids. And for you not you did relate to the Latinos to a certain extent, but um not having somebody that was specifically like from your own country where you were from, it is a little challenging to navigate that because you want to find that um comfort in finding somebody that is from where the exact country that you're from. Um, and even how you were saying, like, most of your families from over there. Um, so you don't have somebody to really guide you. Um, a lot of things for us, the first um, American born generation, a lot of things are very new and we have to find our way. You know, we have friends that had possibly had their parents grow up here as well. Like, as you said, like, um, they did have somebody to guide them. If they had parents that went to college, that is some kind of guidance and stuff like that. Um, so we get a lot of family pressure, um, uh, a lot of pressure to succeed and do the right things as being the ones to go to college again, for example. Um, so if any of you guys want to talk about this kind of pressure um, that you got from your families. Personally, I don't think that there was too much pressure for my family, but I 
put that pressure on myself because I saw like all that they were going through and I knew that I couldn't fail to a certain extent that I wouldn't move my family up the social economic ladder and I put all of that pressure on myself even though um my parents necessarily didn't put all of that pressure on me um so I felt like I had a duty to improve um our family's prestige I'm sorry I'm just wait uh, looking to clarify like what kind of pressure are you are you talking about to succeed in school to get a well-paying job um to join all these extracurriculars to be get involved um to have as much experience as I can so I can do well um outside of high school um yeah so I definitely had the pressure to do well in school from my parents because that was the essence of why my parents decided to leave everything that they know and come to Canada is so that us, uh, my siblings and I, would have a better future, um, you know, where we have the freedom to express our opinions, um, where we have rights and um, stronger education. I, I still, to this day, I'll never forget like the sacrifices my parents made in order for us to get to where we are um, because it really wasn't easy. Like my mom adjusting to a whole new language, learning a whole new language, learning how to deal with different new people. Um, my dad, you know, he had to work um, in a different province for a few years in order for him to be, you know, qualified as a doctor in Canada. Um, and so they were separated for a very long time, uh, like physically, uh, separated for a really long time. Um, and so I, I remember like the, the, my mom was essentially, essentially a single parent for so many years. And I, I remember the struggles that she endured and she sacrificed for us. So I definitely felt the pressure of, yes, I had to do well in school. You know, I had no choice but to do well in school uh, because this is why we're here. Um, and my parents definitely never let me forget. Um, and it got better when I got to university and they kind of stopped doing that. But honestly, like if I was to tell them like I'm quitting law school and I'm coming back right now, they'll be like, what? No. This is why we came to this country so that you can have a better education. What are you doing? So they'll definitely never let me forget it, even if they've stopped repeating it. But when we were kids, that's all what my siblings and I heard from them until like we graduated high school. So, yeah, I mentioned in the beginning um, these kind of um, first gen struggles relating a lot to um, firstborn struggles and I just kind of wanted to elaborate a little bit more on that. Um, just the kind of dependence that, um, or, well, no, sorry. Um, for younger siblings that they will have on their older siblings, um, looking for that guidance since we didn't really have that from our parents. I know Leila, you had talked to us about um, 
how you are the middle child, um, but you were talking about how once your sister got married, uh, that those kind of um, responsibilities fell on you. So can you just talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, um, as I was growing up um, in Canada, I definitely saw my sister really truly um, going through a lot with my parents because my parents would ask her to find out certain things for them, would ask her to take the lead for everything. My sister was responsible for me and my brother. And that was always the case, even in like Middle Eastern countries, uh, even when we lived in the Middle East. But um, it was just a lot more pronounced when we did come to Canada because my parents didn't know much. So um, my sister had to help my dad with so many things, help my mom with so many things. And I never really felt that burden. I, you know, felt it uh, when it was targeted personally towards me, like in my schools and my studies and the friends that I made, but not me having to be responsible for my parents or helping my parents. Not until uh, I got older, you know, I felt like, yeah, I had to be responsible for my parents, but that type of feeling was different from like when I was 23 and my sister was still living with us, she wasn't married and I was helping my parents and I was responsible for my parents. That feeling was different from that until she got married and moved out. So she got married last year in the summer and um, I spent a good year with my parents and I definitely felt like my dad was relying more and more on me to do certain things for them my sister used to do. And I can only imagine what it was like for my sister, her not knowing the country, her not knowing what to do and how to do it, how much more of a burden that was. I mean, I only experienced it after 13, 14 years of being in Canada. So it's, it's easier because I knew my way around things and my parents knew more, right? But I felt that burden. I can only. I, I can truly say I felt it to only, like a lesser degree. Um, I, honestly, there were days where <laughs> there were days where I would message my sister and I would just tell her, thank you so much. I don't know how you dealt with this because my parents were not easy. I didn't see that side of them before, not until my sister left. And I didn't like it. I, uh, my sister did everything for my brother and I and my parents that, she never burdened me with the responsibilities. So I was able to understand why she was the way that she was. Because honestly, growing up, my sister was like a second mom, even though me and her are like a year and a half to two years apart. We're truly a year and a half because she was born at the end of the year and I was born beginning of the year. So I understand why she is the way that she is. She's like extra careful. Uh, she thinks 10 times before doing something, um, things like that. She's like such a mom personality. So um, I, I understand why. I really, truly understand why she became like that. And I think that had a lot, a lot to do with her being the older sister and my dad kind of going to her for anything and everything he needed yeah, that's 
it's such an interesting take on how you kind of were passed on the torch from your sister in regards to that kind of responsibility being passed on to you. I know I'm mean, in our conversations, um, we were talking about how the roles kind of switch, um, especially with your parents. Uh, you kind of become the parent of your parents. Um, when it comes to being in a different country, um, you have to guide them to certain areas. They're coming to you with certain questions because they don't really understand um, the language or how things work in a different country. Um, so I just want to know a little bit more about your experience, Albera or Diana, if you guys want to chime in on this part, um, whether um, you guys are firstborns or middle childs, what is your experience, your relationship with your parents in this kind of sense? Firstborn, um, and I'm, you know, a girl, so I was like their first daughter. I handle everything for them still. My sister does not do shit because she never had to. Um, you know, like when I say I do everything for them, I mean like I make appointments for them, I write emails for them, write letters for them, send faxes, I help them with their bills, I help them talk on the phone with people who don't speak Spanish. I have to go with them to their appointments. I have to make sure I'm with them for everything you would do if they were your own kids. Wow. Because that's just, you know, how it is. And if you leave them alone, you're, it's like impossible to leave them alone. It feels like, like you're not doing your job when you're leaving them alone, even though they're grown as hell. Like my parents are like yeah. fucking almost 50. I'm 21 and I have two 50 year old children that I have to fucking take care of basically for the rest of my life. Wow. I, and now I feel bad. I have a lot more respect for my sister uh, because <laughs> obviously I'm, I'm, it's only just, it's just me and my sister and she's like four years older than me. So she was obviously the one taking care of these things then. Uh, I just kind of watched her do it. And then as she got older, she has she has three kids now, but she still lives at home with us. Um, so they do ask me to do certain things that she can't do anymore. And I kind of feel like a bitch now because I just tell them, like, why don't you guys do this and figure this out for yourselves? Like, what are you guys going to do when both of us leave the house? Like, you guys, it almost makes me scared to, like, leave because you're afraid that they can't really fend for themselves. but. And it's really odd thinking of it that way because you're the child, there's the parent, like they, you would think that they know. And it's interesting because I think a lot of, um, I think more so American children, like um, how we were talking about, um, don't really necessarily experience this in this specific way as, um, you know, like first gens would, um, having to take care of your parent this way. It is an interesting relationship. Um, and again, much respect to Diana because I did not have the patience. And of course to you, Leila, because you had to take on that responsibility after your um, sister had left. Um, but what about you, Albert? I'm curious. I forget whether you are the firstborn or you're not. Yeah, so I am a middle child, but viewing what my brother went through, it like it, I felt like it was an experiment with the firstborn to some extent, right? With like trial and error. Um, my brother, like he did go through a lot of things and and like my mother wasn't 
really sure what like a FAFSA was when applying to um, college and all this like scholarship business and um, what to do. But I think for younger generations, it's much smoother, the process of really life. Um, and for the firstborn, it's really a trial and error period, at least in my experience. So it's really nice. This is what I really um, love about our podcast because we have so many different views. Um, obviously, we're all from different places, even within our own state, New Jersey. Um, so we can share a lot of different experiences. Um, so that's what I really love about this. And I just want to check in um, and just kind of wrap things up in regards to our topic here and just kind of ask you guys a more general question on what we talked about. So we talked about um, these identity crises that we had growing up, um, facing these kind of culture class, um, culture clash, sorry, um, that we dealt with when we were teens going into adulthood. And um, so really what I wanna talk about now is just kind of the impact that this had on your mental health and um, what have you learned from these experiences now that we are in adulthood? Um, I can start. So for me, as I mentioned, uh, when we began the podcast, like I, because I was bullied a lot because I did come from a different culture and it was very apparent from the rules that my mom put in the house, from uh, the way that I would behave in school and things like that. Um, I definitely went through depression and I went through, you know, uh, seasons where I just feel super anxious. I didn't like to deal with anyone um, because I just felt like people didn't really understand me. I didn't feel welcome. I didn't feel like I fitted in um, because of how I looked, because of how I spoke, because of my accent. So, and I, and I was, I am a very social person. I love meeting new people. I love talking to people. Um, but when this, like when that happened to me, it really truly affected me. So it, I guess you could say it definitely um, was the reason why I developed like anxiety in dealing with people. However, thankfully uh, I was able to work through that anxiety as I uh, got older and got to university. Um, I feel like once I did get into university, I got to see the different cultures more and more. When I started going to university and things like that. Well, I'm really glad to hear that you've kind of worked out um, your anxiety and your depression uh, because I know it's a, it's a struggle. It's not easy to come out of that. Um, and I know in itself, um, seeking counseling or seeking some kind of professional help anyway is that in itself is something that you have to work towards um at least in my experience but um I'm really happy to um, hear you say that you did find a community to help you and give you the support that you needed yeah so I definitely think there's a vital part of isolation um and the feeling that no one really understands what you're going through because your parents only have one view of only coming from their home country so they really won't understand you and if you talk to your American friends they don't even have a clue so I think it's important to tr 
try your best to find the people that resemble your experiences and have a com like an open conversation and we let those emotions pour out. Our topics today were really about um, identity issues, having multiple cultures, um, dealing with that um, as a teen, especially facing these kind of culture clash, um, culture shock even, um, because I know there's a different experience of when you are born into, um, for example, in America and being from a different ethnic background versus um, coming here as a young child. Um, we do face a lot of different experiences, but I think what's really important is finding people, as you guys were just saying, um, finding people that identify the same way um, and have similar experiences as ourselves to help us, like, not even help us, but we can help each other get through these certain things. And um, I think that's what really defines your experience um, and getting you through these, um, you know, your teenage life and then getting into adulthood. Um, so thank you so much, guys, for um, joining me today.